0: Hello,
1: happy Tuesday, gang, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily Podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. And people are texting me now and tweeting me and WhatsApping me going, Oh, why are you always wearing a hat? I'm wearing a hat now because my hair is just out of control. Like some kind of train that's out of control. Anyway, enough about my train and my hair and the lack of control. We will get into the reaction from Wolves against Liverpool shortly, but we start today's podcast with some mammoth news. And it's finally happening. Nope. no. I'm not actually to get my haircut. No, 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 no. I want to, but I've got to wait legally till April the twelfth. Although I mean, all these professional footballers seem to be having their haircuts. How does that work? Anyway, the super, super fight between Anthony Joshua AJ to his friends and Tyson Fury TF to his friends is on. Yep, it's on. They've signed a two-fight deal this year to make themselves a gillion pounds each. So I know what you're asking, and it's not who's going to win. Although of course it will be won by Tyson Fury but where will the fight take place and how much money will they both get? Well, I've already told you that. It's a gillion pounds each. But let's head over to Tony Bellew, Spencer Oliver and Gareth A. Davis, who all sat on the same couch. Of course, they weren't, I'm joking. They were on TalkSport 2 to tell us more about the fight yesterday.
0: Jay Reyes, he throws in the towel.
2: Tyson Fury has done the remarkable.
0: They'll put up an enormous sight fee. Eddie revealed to me in December at uh, Joshua's fight with Kubrick Pulev that he expects both men to earn around £100 million each for this fight. So if you look at two fights of this controversy and they have a second fight, we're talking a half a billion dollars, American dollars, for for a two-part Uh, series, uh, a blockbuster two-part series. I think it'll head to Saudi, and I think they'll make a ready-made stadium there, and I think we'll have twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people. I think it's going to be a blockbuster. I'm Fury! Tyson Fury, where you at, baby?
2: (laughs) He is the only guy who has the the tools to beat Tyson Fury. He's a man who can get close enough. He's a man who throws punches that are fast enough to land. He hits hard enough to drop him and hurt him. We're rivals. We we have been for a long time, but I've got to speak truthfully and honestly. You're a World
0: heavyweight champion. You take a loss. He handled it
1: very sportsmanlike. Anthony Joshua moves quicker than Tyson Fury. Anthony Joshua's explosive power is bigger than Tyson Fury's. I do think, and I will stick by this, it's got to happen inside the first six rounds for Anthony Joshua. If it doesn't, I don't think he beats him.
0: It is the perfect fight to promote. I cannot wait. I favor Fury. I'm going to say that early on, but this is heavyweight boxing. It's about knockouts. Anybody can win. And and they are very, very well matched in terms of their styles. Anthony Joshua is a brilliant finisher. Mm-hmm. Tyson Fury likes to fiddle about and be awkward with his opponent. There is so much to talk about, to debate about. Well, have you heard a better story than the one of Tyson Fury? No, he's going to win. Only one gypsy kid. You can't
1: go swimming and not get wet and I got wet, I got drenched actually.
0: <laughs> We're creating history here and there's a lot on the line and it's about who's going to deal with the whole build-up better, uh, who's going to deal with th- their emotions better and I just, feel that t- t- like, I just feel that Tyson Fury might get emotionally involved and decide to take the fight to Anthony Joshua early and I think that could be his undoing. So-
1: On to the football as promised, where Liverpool beat Wolves in the Premier League. This was the reaction on my show, Andy Goldstein's Spooks Bar, Monday to Thursday from 10pm. Yeah, that's right, Monday to Thursday from 10pm. And I include Tuesday and Wednesday in that list.
2: Wolves nil, Liverpool one, and wouldn't you know it? It had to be, didn't it? Diogo Jota, the former Wolverhampton Wanderers man, who scored 33 goals in 111 league games at his time at Molyneux. Nice and dirty three points, so that's um, I, I, I love it because that's the way how you how you get, can get back on track, and that's what we have to do, obviously, after a lot of bad results scored a wonderful goal could have done better in, in, in a lot of situations maybe we created quite well and then again last pass or things like this were, were not exactly or the last touch was not there but when you score that goal and then you defend the result and that's what we did tonight and I like that um, let's go back to Molyneux one or two uh, worrying looking scenes on the pitch there for Nigel Pearson to tell us about yeah we're about to enter the last minute of normal time but there's going to be plenty of time added on now and that is because we have uh, an injury delay right now and it is the Wolves keeper Rui Patricio what happened was that uh, Salah put the ball in the net but uh, he was ruled offside, but as Patricio went for the ball to try and deny Salah, um, he's obviously taken a nasty blow to what can, we can only assume is the head area.
0: He's OK, he's OK. The assessment of the doctor was that um, and he's aware, he's conscious, he speaks, he remembers what happened. So we have to be just take the, the right measures, be, have the right precautions in the following hours but he's in good hands and it's gonna be
1: okay. Every moment that happens in the pitcher situation like that, no matter who players is involved, everybody was worried. The good news are positive, he's okay. We just have to be patient now.
0: It was too tight and even if the flag had gone up, I don't think that, that stops the incident because it was so quick. Salah was in like a shot. He's brilliant in those situations, Salah. Mm. It was so tight and you're absolutely right. I don't think that he, the referee could have actually paused it at that time. It, this is the tight ones that they want, you wanna continue play with.
1: Now, after turning up late to Sunday's North London Derby, Arsenal's Pierre Emerick Bamiang was dropped at the Emirates Stadium, not literally, just from the starting 11, and remained an unused substitute throughout. Mikel Arteta's decision has split opinion amongst pundits, would you believe it, including Ray Parler, Harry Redknapp, and Simon Mona Jordan. But we kick things off with Danny Murphy, who, of course, was bald. So, sorry, who said it was a fair call by Arteta. But incidentally, he is bald. The message still as a group of players holds water, the message is strong. If you're not on time or you don't do the right things, you're not going to play. The fact he left him on the bench was to cover himself because he's a goalscorer and he's a a part of the squad. If you completely alienated him, yes, you might send a a stronger message to the public, but actually to the players it won't. The fear factor is the same of not playing if you're on the bench or out of the squad. Really hard.
0: But it was, in my opinion, necessary, and uh, and that's it. We made the decision, we draw the line, and now we move on. Is our captain, our main player, and uh, we know what he's done for our club.
2: He stays in the dressing room. Why should Mikel Tetris come out and start, you know, hoping in a can of worms, if you like, and saying, well, he was late for this, doing that, doing that. You don't. That, the public don't need to know that. Now, everybody a bit, be a little bit scared of it. Now, of saying, well, we can't be late now, but, because if Whoa. he gets away with it out, and then someone else is late and they get yeah. dropped, then there's a problem in the dressing room. Who does he need? to make the point with the gallery being the media and the fans is he sending a message to them or is he sending a message to the group of players and the player the notion of being dropped is bigger than the artificial impact it'll be with the media and the fans that say well done you for dropping him Well done this. He's not trying to create an impact with the fans and the media. He's trying to create an impact in the mind of the player and those other players that will see that as an example. Arteta is getting tougher and tougher. It was far better to almost embarrass the guy yesterday. This has been coming with him. You know, he won his plaudits last year and he won his contract rise and all fairness and credit to him winning the FA Cup almost single-handedly. But he's been dining out for lunch on that pretty much all year. His stats on assists and goals are shocking and it
0: was the right thing to do and it was a brave thing for Mikel to do. I'd be lying if I said to you in a game like yesterday I'd have left him out or even find him or whatever and sorted out after the game, but I wouldn't sit here, I couldn't be lying if I said I'd I'd, I'd have left him out. You know, you want to win that game so bad, it's a massive game. I I would have played him. Listen, everything he did turned out right. He's punished him, he's left him out. Great decision, they win the game.
1: Great work from Tierney down the left-hand side, who beat Doherty, and Odegaard was in the middle of the box, unmarked.
0: All credit to Arteta. I mean, it was an amazing decision he made there. To be fair, Al, I think it was exactly the right thing to do. The
2: manager's the manager, no-one's been in the club. You just got you got to stamp your authority and say, look, you can't do that. And I think it's disrespectful for the other players as well. They need to give the armband to Tierney and take it away from Abamyang. We gave it to Abamyang for that reason, and that was wrong. It, it was a patsy to help him stay. And you know, you, if you remember, it went on for weeks, didn't it? Is he going? Is he staying? Well, there's your 350 grand, and we'll throw in the armband as well. They monetised the captaincy of that great club, and it was the wrong thing to do.
1: Now, Manchester United absolute legend Roy Keane is amongst the bookies' favourites to succeed Neil Lennon at Celtic Park. Keane has had stints as manager at Ipswich, as well as guiding Sunderland to the Premier League back in 2007. However, Simon... Oh, I'm going to moan a lot! Jordan is not particularly impressed with the Irishman's track record. No, of course he's not.
2: I think it's a huge risk of the Roy Keane now that we've got. Roy Keane going into management first time round possibly you could see that whilst the risk would have been there for a newbie, the Roy King we've got now, I think as a football manager, he's, he's, he's done. He's done. I don't think there's a real place for Roy with some of his outlook, some of his attitude some of his disposition. I think he's now in the media and very good at it. Why did you turn it off? No, that's the second time it's gone off. Well, why did you turn it off? Look at Roy Keane and say, is there anything in his body of work besides a very short period of time at Sunderland that gives you the credence to say he's a decent manager. Yes, i tell you what it is, because he was a Man United captain, and once upon a time he was an iconic figure. Okay, great. That's rearview mirror stuff now. I am flabbergasted. Shocking. I am I am disgusted with it Watching him on TV I think it would be The perfect appointment For Celtic I really
1: do Because he's no nonsense And that club needs Obviously A kick up the backside And I think he would Go in there And definitely do that I think Roy Keane For me Going to Celtic Ticks all the boxes It really does You know He loves the club He he knows what it's about And I think It it would be good To see Roy Keane Against Gerrard This new revamped Celtic team I think it would be I think it would be Really good for Scottish football now, Man City manager Pep Guardiola-Guardiola and left-back Zinchenko have been speaking ahead of their Champions League tie with Borussia Mönchengladbach tonight. The citizens, no one ever calls them that, why don't they just call them City, are already tuned up from the first leg and have basically won the Premier League already. So can they win the quadruple? Of course, I hope not. Let's ask Pep first. Four titles is a, a utopia. So never happened before and I think it's not going to happen. The reality is that this one so we're just thinking next one. And after next one in Goodison Park and after international break, hopefully the players and their nationalities, they can come back safe and w- well because we play for important things. When they come back, this is the only important
2: thing. Bayern Munich showed, you know, like last year, I think, I guess, they won everything, right? So the other year Barcelona did it as well, So uh, with, with Pep. Uh, and I think, of course, everything is possible. You know, we've got unbelievable squad, uh, the best players in the world. Yeah, definitely, why not?
1: If you ask me if I'm agree with Sinchenko, I would say no, completely not. Now, it's the third T20 between India and England today and it's live and exclusive over on TalkSport 2, don't you know, with the series finally and nicely poised at 1-1. Coverage gets underway at half past 12, but there won't be any fans inside the stadium. This is due to the rising number of coronavirus cases in the area. The former England fast bowler Darren Goffey gough reacted to the news on Drive.
2: 70,000 people in a stadium. You should have seen the live pictures of those people trying to get into that ground. I mean, talk about inviting them in scheduled timings, it just didn't happen. It would just literally open the doors and they all, all piled in. And it seemed for the stadium that holds, 130,000 just about, they all seem to be stood together. I mean, not surprising at all. Listen, we all want sporting events to get back as quick as possible, but that is not the way for them to go about it. Honestly, I was gobsmacked. I went home last night um, and, I, and I said, I, I honestly couldn't believe it. That many people, no mass, uh, no social distancing going on whatsoever.
1: And for review of the day's play, why don't you... It sounds like a threat. Why don't you check out the following on podcast? It's not a threat. You can do it. You don't have to. do up to you. Anyway, the following on podcast is on the TalkSport app, don't you know? Now, would Harry Redknapp go back to Portsmouth and take the vacant managerial role for a third time? I doubt it. But I wonder if this week's Cheltenham Festival might get in the way, probably. Let's find out, shall we, rather than do all this stupid guesswork.
2: So, Harry, uh, there's been a massive plunge. Uh, It's not on the Irish horse, it's you taking over the Pompey job. Can we dispel this rumour? (laughs)
0: I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm getting bored, get me back, I'll I'll walk up there tomorrow for nothing, I'll do the job for nothing, keep me busy, get me out of the house, anything, although I can't do it till after Cheltenham's over.
1: That's it, it. Before I go, let me tell you about some live football you can hear on Talksport 2 tonight at 7.45 as Bournemouth take on a bunch of swans. It's commentated on by Ian Danter alongside David Connolly. And that's it. Thanks for listening on the Talksport app or wherever you get your podcast from. I'm back on my show, Andy Goldstein Sports by Monday to Thursday from 10 pm tonight with the fun boy taking your calls after Man City against Brisbane, Much and Gladback. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein Talksport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning, so do what you've got to do to get it. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading, but above all, Have a great day. Be safe, everyone. And I mean it. Be safe.
0: That was a podcast from Talk Sport.